All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into uh, our topic tonight in our series. But before we do, let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, we love you so much, and uh, God, we come before you, and uh, Lord, we, we humble our hearts, recognizing that, God, we get to hear from your word tonight. Uh, Lord, and we also just recognize the privilege of being able to gather here. God, the privilege uh, not of just being able to gather, but the privilege of being able to be a part of your family, uh, to be loved by you, Jesus, personally and together. And Jesus, we want to speak uh, your words, and we want to live the life that you have called us to live out into the world. And so let tonight be a night of you refreshing us, of you uh, cleansing us from the impurities in our hearts, a night of you speaking uh, tender, gracious words. Uh, but God, I pray that you would challenge us to be faithful people. And so Jesus, we're just asking that tonight you'd be glorified, and that you'd be honored, and that you'd be praised. And it's in your beautiful name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. All right, uh, so when I was in college, uh, one of my friends asked me, and it was kind of a, it was a really simple question, but it really hit me. She said, at the end of your life, what do you want to be said of you? And I was sitting there, and I was thinking, I was like, dang, I don't think as, as 20-year-olds, uh, maybe if you're 30 in the room, like that's a, as somebody who's young, that's very common for us to even think of. But I want to ask you, at the end of your life, what do you want to be said of you? Do you want to be, I don't know, a good person? Is there something like in your career? Uh, is there something very specific that you're like, I know I want to be remembered for that? And then let me ask you this. Based on the life that you're living now, is that how people will remember you if your life end today? As I was thinking through the start of this new year, um, and like what I would really want like this community, this family to be known for, uh, I would love for this community to be known for a community that walked with God. I feel like there's so many different like kind of things out there in the world, like I could be known for that specifically, and all those things are really good, but like if at the end of the day, at the end of my life, people looked back and said, Corey, he loved God, and he walked with God. It's really interesting. There's this, uh, there's this person in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 5. It's funny because actually like not much is said about him at all. And at the very end of his life, in, this, like, in the middle of this genealogy, in Genesis 5.24, it talks about this man named Enoch. And it says, Enoch uh, walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. So at the end of everything that he ever did, at the end of like everything that they could ever write, the only things that they could come up with at the end of this was that Enoch walked faithfully with God. And I just want to propose to you, if you're a Christian, if you're a, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, there's not much higher that you could ask for at the end of your life than for what people said of you is, all I know is he walked with God, that she walked with God. And so tonight, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about uh, the heart that you need to live that type of life. The heart that you need to, to live that type of life. And we're going to talk about what it means to walk humbly before God. And so um, in this, we're doing this series called Walking with God. And, and how I'm kind of like thinking about this is, Tonight, I just really want to like, talk about like, how do we walk before God? 
like as, like, as we are walking with Jesus on the road of uh, his way, with Jesus as our king, like, what type of heart do we need to have as we walk before him? And then next week, we're going to talk about what it means to walk with Jesus in the light. Uh, but tonight, we're going to talk about uh, having a heart of humility before God. And to start that off, um, I just want to talk about, like, right off the bat, I want to share with you what the scripture says about pride and humility. So just listen to these verses. And this is what the Bible says about pride and humility. Proverbs 8.13 says this, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then God says, I hate pride and arrogance. Proverbs 16.18 says this, a very popular verse, pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. James in the New Testament, James is the, the brother of Jesus, and so uh, if somebody knew Jesus really well, it would have been his brother. And this is what he says. Uh, he says, God opposes the proud. Could you imagine God opposing you? But he shows favor to the humble. And then our Lord Jesus' words himself, this is what he says. He says, for those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. And so at face value, you see, it's pretty clear and I'm going to use the word, God hates pride, but he loves humility. And so as I kind of like read these in the scriptures, uh, one of the things that I realize is that I'm a prideful person. I don't like to admit it, but there's, there's, there's pride that just lives in my heart. I was actually having a conversation with Dan Moon a few weeks ago. And we were just talking about like when pride creeps up, when it like creeps up in your heart, it just makes you go like, oh, I just want it out of there. And so like if, if God says he's opposed to the proud, and if pride is, like, really that big of a deal before God, then I would want to know, like, if I went to the doctor, like, what are the symptoms of pride showing up in my life? Like, wouldn't you want to know that? Like, if God says, like, I, I, I hate pride, then you want to go, like, all right, God, like, show me where that is in my life. And so um, I want to share with you a couple indicators or a few indicators of pride in our life, pride before God and pride before others. Uh, so uh, one of the first indicators of pride is of lack of reverence before God. So, like, the person who just cannot like get a sense of God is God and you're not like God's on the throne you're not on the, on the throne so that's an indicator of pride uh, believe it or not a lack of confidence before God is actually pride uh, we'll talk about that later um, I call the next one a me-centered relationship uh, that you that there's times in my life where I really only show up to be with God when I need my environment changed you ever have that in your life? It's like, oh, shoot, like, things aren't how they should be, how I want them to be. And so then I'll go spend time with God and really pursue him hard. Kind of, like, reveals that, like, there's my life, and then I, like, kind of view Jesus as circulating around it rather than having Jesus at the center and my life circulating around that. Those are indicators of pride. But I think some of the ones that can kind of sting the most are, are the ways that our pride kind of shows up in how we treat other people. And, and the, the reason pride and how we treat other people really matters, so I want to actually like talk about image. So in the Bible, uh, it says that we as human beings are made in the image of God, right? And so in the Old Testament, in ancient cultures, how you worshiped your God uh, was that you would bow down and that you would worship an image. And based on how you worship that image, you would actually be worshiping the God of that image. Does that make sense? And so when, when scripture says, no, like there's actually an image of God and it's, and it's human beings, God says the way that you treat my image is actually how you treat me. Does that make sense? So when, 
when we actually are prideful towards one another, it's actually an indicator that we're really being prideful before God. And so here's some indicators of pride in our relationships horizontally. One, uh, assuming you are superior to other people. You ever have that where you just kind of feel like you're better than somebody? Nobody wants to admit it. Yes, we do. Uh, we feel better people because of skin color. We feel better, because of, better than other people because of uh, socioeconomic class, because we're smarter than others. Think in the church because of moral, like I'm just more moral than them. And we would never say that, but we always have categories for people in our hearts because that's what sin does. And we rank ourselves above and below people. And so any sort of ranking based on anything for any reason is pride. And God doesn't like that. Uh, fourth, uh, okay, this is a good one. Assuming you already know something when someone else is teaching you or showing you something. Have you ever had that? Somebody comes up to like teach you or show you something, but you already know that, so you're kind of like, ugh, in your heart. Like that's an indicator of, of pride in our lives. Uh, here's another good one. Uh, seeing yourself as too good to perform certain tasks. Have you ever like been asked to do something? You're like, well, why would I be the one to do that? Pride. And I'll do the last one right here. When your opinion always has to be heard or when you can't receive criticism from others. Have you ever noticed uh, what happens in your heart when somebody pokes at something? Even if you don't show it out loud on your body, doesn't your heart flare up and get angry? And then you start ranking yourself with that, like it's pride. It lives within us. Now here's the question. Okay, I'm prideful. There's prideful things in my heart. There's prideful things in others. Why does God care? Have you ever really thought about that? Like, why does God care about pride so much? Because some, some people in our culture, this is one of the things I was thinking about. Our culture is like, is, is, does God care about pride because he's prideful himself? Like, he doesn't want you to take the glory because he wants the glory? Like, we just sing all these songs about giving glory to God. Does God care about pride in us because he's prideful himself? Why does God care? And here's why God cares. And I really want you to lean in on this because this is really important. God cares and opposes proudness in you and he opposes proud people because of two things. One, pr your pride will keep you from the foot of the cross, crying out from a for a savior. Your pride will keep you from going to the foot of the cross to worship Jesus in the act of very worshiping him and praising him is actually what heals you. So your pride will actually keep you from healing. So that's why God hates it. Another reason is pride will place you above people in judgment rather than below them in humble service. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever you're prideful, you're above somebody in your heart. And whenever you're kind of like God cultivates a humble heart on you, like in you, like you're below them. So, so pride, it keeps you from the foot of the cross and it places, it places people above you or excuse me, it places you above other people. And so let's talk about what humility is. A good definition of humility is actually found in Romans 12.3. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who is a, a pastor back after Jesus' time, he says this, for the, for the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So humility, um, it's having an accurate estimation and an accurate perspective of who you are before God and others. 
It's having an accurate perspective of who you actually are before God and others. And the reason that matters is because an improper perspective will lead you to have an improper heart. And then an improper heart will lead you to go to improper places before God and before others. I really want to say that when you have an improper perspective of who you are, it will lead to an improper heart. And that improper heart will put you in improper places that you don't, you don't belong and so how do we live lives that actually walk in humility before God? And that's what we're going to do with the rest of our time. And there's gonna, we're going to see that there's two things in particular. Um, like I said, the Apostle Paul says he's, we, we need an accurate perspective of who we are. And what we see is that we, as Christians, we walk in humility by bowing low and by standing tall. We bow low and we stand tall. Let's take that one at a time. One, we bow low. Um, scripture says that God is the creator of all things. And that we are, are creatures. He is the creator and we are creatures. And look, look what the Bible says about this. He says uh, in Ecclesiastes 5.2, Solomon, uh, one of the kings of uh, Israel, says this. He says, do not be quick with your mouth to... Uh, or do not be hasting your heart to utter, to utter anything before God. Think about that for a second. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Psalm 211 says this, Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Let me ask you this. One of the things that, that scripture says, it says because God is creator and you are creature, because he's in heaven and you are on earth, that, that what that requires of us is a deep, deep reverence for God Almighty. One of the things that I like to do is go on walks uh, around my neighborhood just to clear my head. And whenever I'm kind of like struggling with something or whenever I'm just honestly feeling prideful, one of the things that I like to do is I like to walk and I'll literally just go, I'll just, I, it's kind of a weird phrase, but I'm like, I'm a creature in God's world. Like this whole world that the, like the planet Earth is like this small in. And then I'm one human being of like 7 billion people. I'll go like, man, God is the almighty creator over all of this. If he just stops speaking me into an existence, I go away. And I'm, I'm just a creature in his world. And so when I come into the presence of God, I, be, I don't just, I, 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 mean, I was thinking about this today. We talk about spending time with God as like, oh, I'm going to read my devotional. I'm going to have a quiet time. And I think those are great ways to describe it. But I just want to encourage you, like, when you come before the creator God of all things, when you come into his presence, it's much more than a quiet time. You're coming before, like, you're, and it's much more than just like, oh, I hope I really get something out of my Bible reading today. You're coming before God Almighty. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have that type of reverence before God in your life? Is there any part of you that trembles? One of the things that I actually I really love about Jesus is um, Jesus is the person who actually models this perfectly. Uh, Jesus is God himself. Newsflash for those of you who are new. And, uh, and so that's what we believe, uh, and that's, like, Jesus is God Almighty, God become human, and, and one of the things, uh, one of my favorite stories, it's so fascinating, there's this guy who comes, 
to Jesus, and he says, good teacher. And he stops him, and he goes, good teacher? He goes, nobody's good but God alone. And so immediately, Jesus, in his humility, he's going, no, 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 don't give glory to me. Give glory to God. And so Jesus, and like, like he literally could have like received it, he could, but no, he, he redirects the worship back up to his father. And so Jesus kind of had, he walked around with this deep, deep reverence for the Lord. And so one of the things that we have to remember is that in the presence of God, we bow low. The second thing that we see uh, is that we need to stand tall uh, because, because of the gospel and because of what Jesus has done. Uh, yes, God is creator and we are still creatures, uh, but because of the gospel, he is now father and we are now children of God. Ephesians 3.12 says this. He says, because of Christ, notice, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We can, you can, have you ever thought you can come bold, like boldly into the presence of God? Hebrews 4.16, another popular verse, he says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so there's these two balances that we have to maintain, this deep reverence, but at the same time, uh, you can, as, as you like go into God's presence and whenever you kind of have these visions in the Old Testament where people are going into the presence of God, they literally like, they, they, they're prostrate on the floor because of they're beholding the glory of God and it's too much for them. Uh, but the Apostle Paul says when, when, when Jesus died and he tore the veil and now sinners can enter the presence of God of, because he's washed them, he's saying now there's this, uh, you still come reverently, you still come with awe and you still come trembling, but you also like carry with that this deep, deep confidence that you can actually come into the presence of God with confidence. But let me ask you, how many of you feel actually like you can come into God's presence with confidence? Like, maybe, and this is my experience, on my good weeks, I do. On the weeks where I feel like I'm relatively obedient, on the weeks where I feel like I'm, like, relatively doing what I want, like, like what God has called me to do, like, I feel confident. Uh, but what about those weeks when you're, when you're struggling with sin? Or well, let's just say those weeks that you're not just struggling with sin, but you're just, like, don't even care and you're, you're living in it. And yet, at the same time, the Apostle Paul says, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are one with him, you can come confidently into the presence of God. And now here's what I want to talk about. There are two dangers that can happen. One, you can lose the one over the other. See, see God has called us to have this humble confidence. That's what I call it. Like we have a humble confidence before God. Uh, but if you lose one over the other, you, your, your faith gets really lopsided. I'll show you what I mean. So what if, you, uh, what if you lose your humility and only have confidence before God? You get arrogant in the presence of God. This is, uh, I think, how this manifests itself. Of, I think, you ever have, like, uh, you know somebody, or maybe this is, like, kind of happens in your life where Jesus is, like, friend only, an advice giver, like Jesus is like, they, they really only talk about Jesus in, in terms of like peer relationship of like friend. There's just kind of like, uh, like there's just this arrogance and this confidence of like, oh yeah, I can just like approach God however I want. It doesn't matter. And there's just kind of like no awareness of, of like God Almighty. And I think one of the things that uh, our culture here in America really, really struggles with is this reverence for God. 
I think one of the things I would say actually young adults really struggle with is a reverence for God. Um, it's interesting. I went to um, a mosque once, and I was watching uh, Muslims worship uh, their God. And uh, one of the things that I was just noticing is, like, the Muslim faith, uh, they, ha- they, they do, they have, I feel like they have this reverence part down. Like, I w- three times a day, no matter what they do, they go to the nearest mosque, and they bow down, and they stand up, and then they bow down, and they stand up, and they bow down, and they go to work, and they hear the call, they come back, and they stop everything they're doing because they believe stopping their day before God is something they have to do. And I think, I, I, I was in there and I felt torn. I was like, this is really weird being in like this place where they're worshiping, not Jesus. Uh, but I think one of the things that Jesus taught me is like, there's, a, there's, there's something to learn here about this heart of humility before me and this reverence of I'm God and you're not. Which leads me to my, my, my second thing, but you, you, some of you may lose your humility, but there's also the danger if you lose your confidence. So you may lose your humility, uh, but you could also lose your confidence. And when you lose your confidence, you actually have uh, this, I want to say this, insecurity in God's presence is actually a false humility. It's actually pride. And I, I want to sit on this for a second because this is actually something that I personally have been really wrestling with. And it's been really eye-opening for me uh, to see is that, like, have you ever, like, thought to yourself uh, if you're a Christian, or have you ever heard somebody say, like, I'm nothing, like, I'm just nothing before God, like, uh, I'm worthless, I don't matter. Um, many of you maybe even feel that way towards God right now, like, oh, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, I don't matter. Or you go, you go into God's presence, and you just feel insecure, because you know that God sees everything, and he knows everything. He knows the intention of your heart. He knows every thought you've had at the darkest level. And um, here's why I want to say that's actually a form of pride, and it's been really liberating for me to see this. Um, And and one example I have is whenever I've failed in my uh, path of following Jesus, I mean, there was countless times I could go over. Um, But one of the things that I would always do is I would just avoid God after that for about a few days. Like if I ever slipped up or whatever, I would, I would, I would just kind of avoid God because I didn't feel confident in his presence because I wasn't living up to his standards. And then one of the things that God really revealed to me recently was, okay, if Jesus truly has cleansed you, and if he, if Jesus says, hey, because of what I've done for you, you can, com- you can come confidently into my presence. And if we say, no, I can't, by word or action, what I'm telling him is what, his, what he did for me wasn't enough. What I'm saying is, Jesus, I know that you say and have actually purified me, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to relate to you because I don't feel like I'm worthwhile to actually come into your presence. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, you can. And, and what you're saying is, no, you can't. I can't. And so we actually take our own feelings and we place them over the authority of what Christ has done. And we actually, it's, it's, it's this weird, insecure pride of saying, like, hey, like, 
God, no, I can't do that. And God says, yes, you can. You're like, no, I'm telling you I can't. He's like, I'm telling you I can. And we fight with him. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're wrestling with that type of heart, that says, God, I want to I wanna come. But I also don't feel like I can. I just want to encourage you tonight to take Jesus at his word. And, and, and take Jesus' work on your behalf at the cross seriously. That he says, He's, disar- he's disarmed every ruler and authority, uh, that he has, he has nailed every record of debt that has stood against you. He's nailed it to the cross. And, and Jesus wants you to submit to his grace and receive it and not to stiff arm it. Some of you need to know that you are who you are in the Lord, period. And there's nothing that you can do to change that. And so come confidently into the presence of God. And when you are somebody who holds these two tensions together, you'll have a life of deep reverence before God. Before the one on the throne, you'll have this deep reverence. But you'll also have a deep confidence because of the one on the throne. So you live this life before the one on the throne of reverence, but then you also have this deep confidence because he's the one on the throne, and the one on the throne has said, you're good. I've cleansed you. Come near. And so you do. And so here's what I want to do. With the rest of my message, uh, I just want to end with five really practical ways that we can cultivate humility in our hearts before God. Because here's the thing, what I've learned. You will never trip into humility. You will never trip, like accidentally fall into a humble person. It's something that you actually have to choose to do, and it's something that you're really going to have to fight, like something you're really going to have to fight in your own heart. Uh, God may trip you into humility, but you will never trip into humility. And so uh, here's uh, five random uh, kind of things that I've actually been thinking about that I've been trying to implement the best I can that kind of cultivate this humble heart before God. One uh, is, this is kind of a weird way of saying it, but bodily prayerfulness. Um, We have done this really weird thing in the church where we've divorced like our bodies from worship of God. Uh, And it's true for all of us. I I think one of the things that I I watch is, um, you think of like how somebody checks Instagram. It's almost like prayer. Have you noticed that? Like you take out your phone, bow your head. Take out your phone, bow your head. It's due. Ever watch watch dudes play sports games? Or uh, not play sports games, but... uh, have you ever, like, watched uh, somebody who's really passionate about a sports team cheer for their own team? They're up. They're jumping. They're, like, like Kendrick's going crazy, you know, like, he's just, like, go Eagles, even though they're going to lose first round in the playoffs. But, like, we use our bodies in, like, in every environment that we have. And then we come to church, and we stand before God Almighty, and we do this. <laughs> and I'm not, and listen, listen. Trust me, I'm not trying to say that, like, this is this legalistic thing of, like, using your body before God. And I'm not saying that you're not this, like, true worshiper of God if you have naturally a less enthusiastic way of being. But I do want to say the Bible talks about all the time about, about bowing before God, about laying prostrate before him, about lifting your hands, like I think the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, he's, you know what I want for men, men in the room, you know what I want for you? I want you to, I want you to be men who lift your hands in, in prayer. Uh, like, our God created us 
bodily creatures. And so one of the things that I really would encourage you to do uh, is to put your body in the place you want your heart to be. Listen, how many of you, tell me if this is true, you think like raising your hand in worship, maybe even singing, if you don't feel like it, like if I don't feel like I'm like praising God, I'm not going to lift my hands to praise God because that feels hypocritical. You guys ever have that? Or like in prayer, like I'm not like, if I'm really feeling into prayer, maybe I might kind of move my hands like this, but like if I'm not, I'm not. I want to encourage you. One of the things that I've been trying to do is like, if I want my heart to receive something from God, I'm going to put my body in a place of actually in a posture of receiving to help get my heart there. If I want my life to praise God and I want to praise him in this moment and I feel like my heart's not there, I'll put my hands in the air to, to really like say like, all right, Corey, like praise God. And the Psalms have all sorts of language of like David saying like, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul. What he's saying is like, he's like, come on, like he's like, he's trying to get himself, like he's using his body, he's using his mind, he's using his words to get his heart in a place that, that he has his body, if that makes sense. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I've been trying to do this. I haven't been great. I'm working on it. Um, but I want to encourage you to set like five minutes every day to either pray standing, kneeling, or laying prostrate. My guess is your most common position of prayer is sitting. Um, and I, it's funny. The Bible actually never once talks about sitting and praying. It talks about uh, kneeling and praying, standing and praying, and laying prostrate. And so I just want to say, put your body in a place that you want your heart to be bodily prayerfulness. The second thing is uh, regular confession. Uh, confession works against your pride. Have you ever noticed just saying that I've failed makes, works against the pride in your heart, like the very act of it? And so if, you're, if you feel like you are in a place of just arrogance, Let's just be honest, there are times where we just feel arrogant. I would encourage you, one of the first things to do, one, before God, or two, is, is confess regularly. Um, and maybe I just even ask you, when, who's the last person that you actually really confess, like, the real stuff to? Confession, it will cultivate a heart of humility before God, and it will cultivate a heart of humility before others. Because when you're confessing somebody, or confessing to somebody, it's really hard to judge them when you're, when you're talking about your failure and not theirs. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. Regular confession of sin, uh, but also confession of promises. See, confession of sin will work against your self-righteous pride, but confession of promises works against your insecure pride. And so if you're in a season where you're just saying, I just feel really insecure before God because of how I'm living, one of the best things that you can do is open up this book and go literally read page after page and every promise that God has said that he has done for you or who you are in him, write those things down. And the first thing that you do when you get up is you confess those things over you. And find friends who will confess who you are into the Lord to you often. So we confess our sin and we confess our promises. Um, not our promises, excuse me, God's promises. The last thing that you can do, or no, the third thing, sorry, is, uh, is secret service. You need to join the secret service, kind of. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. Pride, tell me if this is true. Your pride, it schemes and it strategizes to bring attention to yourself. And you're really good at it. And I'm really good at it. Like you're looking for that compliment, so you won't actually like 
you know, say, uh, you won't like outright ask for it, but you'll kind of allude to something that kind of hints that uh, something you did well in hoping that, like, like pride just, it schemes to bring attention to like yourself. And so uh, secret service is, it's going out of your way to secretly serve and to bless somebody just for the sake of worshiping God alone. It's not this like, hey, like, we're going to take this Instagram picture. Look how great we served. It's just like, no, like, I, I want to encourage you. If you can find something that you can do every day to secretly bless somebody and then, and then shut up about it. And then the rest of the day, just thank God that you had the opportunity to love. That cultivates humility. If you want to practice on me, that's great. Uh, fourth is uh, others-centered conversation. Um, Pride is me-centered. Humility is other-centered. And so one of the things that uh, I thought was kind of a fun way of thinking about it, have you, ever, well, have you ever been in a conversation that was lopsided, meaning lopsided towards the other person, like they just would not stop talking about themselves? Like sometimes it's like a self-awareness thing, but like, let's just be, have you ever been in a conversation where you realize how much you were talking about yourself? And I'm not saying that there's not times for you to like kind of process out loud about, but one of the things that I would really encourage you to try to do is when you're in a conversation, try to have lopsided conversation, but towards the other person. Have as many questions as you can to like really dig into somebody else's life and then ask more questions. And then ask more questions. And then ask more questions. Like just by the very fact of saying like, listen, I'm going to focus on knowing you creates and creates like a humility in you because pride wants to make all the attention turned to you. But if you can have lopsided conversation towards somebody else, it's a, it helps cultivate humility. And the last, um, the last practice that I would give you to cultivate a heart of, humi- of humility tonight is, uh, is to behold Christ daily. One of the biggest reasons... One of the biggest reasons I have been unable to get rid of pride in seasons of my life is because I've just tried to get rid of pride. And, um, and there's, this, there's this sentence that's really helpful to think about, and it's called, whatever, whatever you uh, behold, you will become. And so uh, that, I think that's why Instagram influencers are so popular, sports athletes, celebrities, uh, when you behold these people and their, their glory, meaning their weightiness, you seek to, like, you just naturally, as a human being, because you were created a worshiper, you, you start to become that person. You start to take on their clothing. You start to take on their lifestyle. You start to think the way that they do. Because whatever you behold, you become. And so Christians, brothers and sisters in the room, if you want to be a humble person before God, you need to behold the humble one daily. I want to I really ask you this. When was the last time you like, beheld the glory of God and just was, were sitting there before him and you were just looking at Jesus on your knees going, oh my gosh, you're beautiful. Or, oh my gosh, Lord, the humility of, of, of God King of kings, Lord of lords, who had no obligation to you. And in love, he's looking down and he's seen, he's seen everything that you've done. 
He's looking ahead to see everything that you will do. I think of all those, like, have you ever, have you ever thought of, like, if I knew how that person would have hurt me, I would have never gotten into a relationship with them. I would have never gotten into a friendship with them. And yet Christ looks on us, and he sees us in our sin. The Apostle Paul says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you see Christ, and he looks on you, and he humbles himself. And he humbles himself, not only God becoming a human being, but becoming a slave. And then becoming not only just slave, but he was, he was, he was really poor. And he becomes obedient even to the point of death. And then he becomes obedient to the point of death on a cross for you. And he lays himself out. He's crucified for your sin. Because he loves you. Because he didn't judge you. He didn't place himself above you in judgment. But he, he put himself below you in humble service to lift you up and to heal you. And then it said that God exalted him. And gave him the name that is above every name. That the, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. When was the last time that you sat in God's presence and just actually beheld that? And sat in it? And realized it's not just true for the person sitting next to you, it's true for you. See, if you want to become a humble person, you need to behold the humble one. And, you, and I want to encourage you, if you don't have time, this is why, like, I, I love New Year's resolutions, but I also hate them because just like, I just got to read the Bible more this year. I'm like, it, no, no, it, it's about that. It's about beholding Christ and coming into his presence daily and to be filled up by him and then to be sent by him out into the world as somebody who has this deep reverence before God, as somebody who, who lays their life down for the good of others, somebody who says they walk with God. You guys want that type of life? I do. Let's pray. Lord, um, we love you so much. And um, God, you are good and you are... You are a king, and God, we're thankful that you love us. And uh, God, we want to have a humble heart towards you. God, we want to be filled uh, with your presence. And Jesus, we want to behold your glory, behold your goodness, and God, how you, God, just how good you've been. And God, um, God, I just pray that us in this moment, we just be able to recognize the ways that you have personally met us in our life. And God, how you continually meet us day after day, week after week. And God, you are not removing your hand, but God, you are always moving towards us. And so God, I pray that, I pray for the person who's struggling with just an arrogance, God, before you, a stubbornness. God, I pray that you would help that person humble themselves before you. That you are God and they're not. And God, that in humbling themselves, they would find freedom. But God, for the person, and my guess is there's a lot of people in here, Lord, who feel really insecure about who they are in you. Jesus, I pray that they would just be able to come and to really believe that, Lord, if you say we can come confidently into your presence, Lord, then we can. It doesn't matter on our week. It doesn't matter on what season of life we're in. 
But God, we can come before you because you are good, you are kind, and you have cleansed us. And so, Jesus, uh, we behold you. Uh, We behold your glory, and may we become like you. We ask this in your name. Amen.